Hello, friends, and welcome to the very last episode of season two of the On the Venue podcast. As we wrap up both the season and the year, I want to thank you for coming on this adventure with me. Speaking of adventures, our final guest of the season is my friend Olivia. Olivia made the decision to hike the Appalachian Trail this past year, and was very fortunate enough to have followed along with her journey via Slack. Through this app, she was able to share with her friends and family the highs and lows, pictures from the trail, and even insights as to what she was going through both mentally and physically. It was as if she was writing in a journal that she gave all of us access to, and I thank her so much for her openness and her vulnerability. At the time of the recording, Olivia had just returned from a road trip as she and her boyfriend, Zach, were trying to decide where they would like to live next. He's from Ohio, she's from Pennsylvania, and they met on the trail and they're ready for their next adventure. When I checked in with her this week, if they had decided on a what's next, she said the door is still wide open and life is still up in the air. I personally remember going through this exact same self-reflection when coming back from teaching English in Germany after college. I was trying to decide between Austin or Philly And it just came down to the fact that I had more friends still living in Philly, and I thought it might actually be easier to find a job. I fell in love with Philly when I moved back, and I'm sure that Olivia and Zach will love wherever they end up, knowing that Philly and Ohio will always be here when and if they decide to come back. Right before recording this intro, I got a text message from Olivia telling me that she finally tried Cincinnati's famous Skyline Chili. She approves, and she says it seems like an excellent hangover meal. And their chili dogs, she rates 10 out of 10. I know she wasn't sold on the concept of chili served over spaghetti, but maybe if it was paired with the right wine? Speaking of wine, grab that bottle of bubbly and cheers to ringing in a new year. I wish you all a wonderful and joyous 2022. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Venue podcast and enjoy the following episode, The Beauty of Trail Magic and Tramleys, Hospitality on the Appalachian Trail with Olivia Lindstrom. My guest today is Olivia Lindstrom. She is both a sommelier and a bartender. And my friend Liv here went the most beyond the venue uh, over this past year as she recently completed um, in early October hiking the entire Appalachian Trail. So we are going to be talking a lot about her experiences. How are you doing today, Liv? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be here and I'm excited to do a podcast with you. I'm I'm really excited we were able to make this happen because, you know, you just got back um, and I think we got to see you for the first time in in October and you joined us for our annual uh, mini golf tournament um, and just got got to catch up in person a little bit. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to have you on the show. Like your story is is so great and we'll, we'll get into it later in the episode but um you know really the fact that you started a slack channel while you were on the trail to to not just you know update the parents of like i am alive <laughs> i was not eaten by a bear today everything is okay but just to to hear your stories was such an incredible experience and i'm you know i can't believe you lived it cuz i was lucky enough just to listen to it so um i'm excited to be able to to give you a platform so you can share share the stories with our audience today yeah thank you i'm excited to talk about it so we only just met i i want to say april of 2020 is that when you first moved to philadelphia uh so i didn't move to philly until july like it's right a blur the- it was 2020 <laughs> so how I, I know that, you know, we know one another through Brandon, Thra- Th- Brandon Thrash, uh, our season one, episode one from Beyond the Venue podcast. Um, how, how did you end up in Philadelphia? Because you moved here from Pittsburgh. 
Yes. So um, I actually met Brandon at a cocktail conference in San Antonio. Um, and I think I was at a time where I kind of plateaued in the Pittsburgh market and I I got what I needed out of um, you know food and beverage there. And I was looking to move to a bigger city. And I think over a couple of beers, Brandon offered me a job and I was like, haha, we're, we're drunk. Like this isn't a serious like, you know, offer. And uh, it ended up being a serious offer. And I had uh, visited Philly, I think, right at the end of February, because um, it was right before things started to shut down. And on my way out there, I was visiting my family and my twin brother had told me that they were expecting a baby as well. So it motivated my move a little bit more. Um, and they're just outside Philadelphia and Berks County, right? Exactly. Um, I think you're, you're, uh, your hometown is the the same town where did you grow up in Oli? Yes. Okay, so that's where we get our delicious vegetables from Taproot Farm that uh, I talk about in my episode with Hillary Ray. That's great. I didn't know that. That's a, most that's delicious a, vegetables about my hometown. That's great. Um, yeah, so I think I had two motivations for moving to Philly. It, I spent my entire adulthood in Pittsburgh, so it was definitely like a little nerve wracking, even though it was going to be closer to like my hometown. So I had, uh, and you had moved to Pittsburgh for school, right? For, for college. Yep. And then I was there for about eight years and then, um, yeah, moving out to Philly. It was like, I had told my roommates I was moving, found a sublet at the time I was president of, uh, Pittsburgh's USBG chapter. And I was, and that's a U.S. bartenders guild. Yes. And I resigned from that position, had everything figured out. Uh, Brandon offered me the spare room in 1900, and then everything uh, for our sh- listeners, this probably comes up a couple times, but uh, a, a group of our friends have it's been a rotating door of, of folks living in uh, 1900 <laughs> Carpenter, uh, which there are all going to be moving out next week uh, as they go on to different adventures and chapters in their lives. But even uh, Ben and Lauren, our guests from earlier this season, had a had a brief stint there. So uh, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be missed. Yeah, that's. That's too funny. And so good thing you guys are all moving out since we just shared uh, your home address with with the listeners. Okay. <laughs> no one, no one that we know will be living there anymore. He's welcome anyway. It's a common. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that move to Philly was, I mean, it was a great, um, I guess, growing pain for me, especially because when I got there, there was no job, there was no restaurant to be opened. Unfortunately. Um, I'm glad that I had such a great support system with the friends that I did get to meet in Philly. Um, But I think that was like a lot of um, anxiety and like kind of like loss of purpose, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially, I feel like the hospitality industry and especially like not high level bartending in particular, but what I had my goals set on was like a very far five out, five year plan. And like I, knew from, you know, step by step where I was going to go in a span of a year and for all that to just disappear. Yeah. It was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to figure out what I'm feeling right now and like how to even deal with that. So it was an interesting move. I'm glad that I did it and I met amazing people and had a, you know, a good support system through not only the pandemic, but then being unemployed and dealing with all of the emotions from that so and were you able to get unemployment did that did that system work out for you yeah luckily I had absolutely no problems doing that so I know I'm 
one of the lucky ones. <laughs> it's it sounded like an absolute nightmare. Um, but we were super lucky to have you, and I guess we got to spend more time with you virtually um, uh, on those Saturday night quizos um, as your yeah. as your house would uh, be hosting some from time to time. And sometimes you guys were just uh, fellow participants as well. Um, but I, it, it was really nice to see you kind of build up this this little family with the roommates because it's, you know, they're everybody kind of had their own, you know, their living situation uh, when we were in complete lockdown. So whether it was a partner or roommates or you know folks who live by themselves, like I think everybody had their pluses and minuses of what they were trying to process um, when you couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Wow. Uh but I know you guys were able to, to um, you also did some nature vacations as well. So you, I know you had uh, our, our circle of friends, a lot of people enjoy going backpacking and camping. And so you definitely kind of got your first, you know, pre-Appalachian trail by going on some trips um, throughout 2020. Where, where all did everybody go? So we went up to the Catskills and then also... Um, the Dolly Sods in West Virginia. Um, those were really my first two backpacking trips and they weren't very long. It was like three miles of hiking with our packs and we set up camp for the weekend and did day hikes. Um, but it was kind of my first taste of putting on a full pack and going out. And um, I think sitting by one of those campfires, probably another alcohol fueled uh, conversation, but uh, Brandon and then our, our other friends, Rick and Jules were also there and they kind of, you know, I knew Brandon had hiked the AT and, um, you know, talking to Jules, another woman who had done it, like kind of really instilled, like, I don't know, some motivation and inspiration in me. I'm like, man, like that's so badass. Like I am right now in a huge transition in my life and I love the outdoors and it's one thing that I think I could just, you know, set my mind to another goal of mine, but it's like, okay, I think I, I'm going to do this. So this wasn't on your radar. I'm this uh, clearly the uh, Appalachian trail was not in your original five year plan. So now in the, in the shift we're we're going beyond the venue. So, um, so I didn't, I don't think I realized that it was on one of these camping trips, like being with three people who had spent time on the trail, Brandon having completed all of it, most of it, (laughs) we're going to give them all of it. So, um, and I know Rick and Jules had just done, um, a majority of it, but, but did skip some parts here and there, but even still to just have that experience it's 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 unlike anything else so we'll you know uh hearing your story so one of the things that um rick and jules and brandon had talked a lot about uh trail magic this concept of trail magic and i loved your mention offline you called it hospitality outside the venue and i absolutely love that so can you can you share with our listeners what is trail magic and what were some of the most memorable uh, trail magic experiences that you had? Sure. Uh, so while you're hiking along this over 2,000 mile trail, there's uh, road crossings and people who have previously hiked the trail, people who are just living in the area will bring like food and snacks and drinks for you. Um, just as a little treat of things that we won't get while we're actually hiking. And um, most of the time it's beer, soda, um, there was one time somebody was making pancakes for us. Um, a trail magic that stands out the most is 
right after the Smoky Mountains, there's uh, a place called Max Patch. It's this huge, beautiful, bald mountain, 360 views. It's absolutely stunning place to go visit. I highly suggest. Um, But there was a couple of cars sitting at the parking lot right before you take the climb up the hill. And they said that they had hiked the trail in uh, 2011, I believe. But they were handing out beer and like some snacks and candy. And I guess they were about to leave. And I was hiking with my friend Freshly Baked. uh, And I guess we just looked like the type of people that uh, enjoyed mushrooms. So (laughs) they gave us two baggies of shrooms. Uh, to take with us for, for our venture up Max Patch because we were camping on the top and we were going to be there for sunset and sunrise. So that was very, very funny. Uh, his question to us was, do you guys eat drugs? And we we're like, <laughs> eat sure. sure. So <laughs> that one definitely. Went in wrong. Yeah, right. Uh, so that was definitely a funny, memorable thing. It's like this a very trusting tight knit community of like past and present through hikers. So I think they were excited to just be a part of like our experience. Um, other than that, I, it really was trail magic throughout the entire trail for us. We, I don't think we went through a state without running into somebody that was, you know, taking the time and their money to provide something for us that, you know, could have turned our whole days around. I know there was, Definitely days in the middle of the summer where running into a cooler of Gatorade probably like <laughs> saved my my mental health for sure because it got hard when you're hiking all day in a hundred degree heat and you know you're then filtering your own water and you find a tasty beverage along the trail is definitely a game changer. So, so how did you prepare for all this? Kind of how how did things look in in the very beginning? Uh, so definitely the first thing was the gear checklist, uh, making sure you have everything that you need to go and live outside for six months. Um, that took a lot of research and obviously talking to my friends who had previously hiked. Um, but that is a lot of money to begin with. Uh, and then saving additional money for the food. And um, if you decide to get off the trail and go into town for um like hotels or hostels or something like that. That was a big thing to keep in mind. And then I guess just mentally preparing myself to go through like an environment that I had never put myself in. I really, really do enjoy pushing myself to my limits, making sure I'm constantly putting myself outside of my comfort zone because I think that really helps me grow as a person, whether it is with a career, um, hospitality in general or this was just something completely different for me um and then mentally and physically you know pushing myself outside of that that comfort zone I I don't know I took in everybody's advice that had done it previously I know I went to REI and there was a previous through hiker who was giving me advice and he was like next day it rains go walk outside for three miles and just see how you do like around the city and I was like okay and he was like Make sure you drive below the speed limit because you're going to realize that life goes so much slower than you're used to. So that's one little advice that I'll have you like, be patient. And I was like, no, that'll be, I'm, I'll be patient. But that was definitely some advice that I was like, oh man, like I'm not getting to the place I need to get to tonight. And I just remind myself of what that guy told me, like, take a deep breath and uh, enjoy, enjoy the walk, I guess. 
And you also um, had made the decision to do this on your own. So I, I know like everybody's got kind of like their different journey. And I think, you know, Rick and Jules had one another and as a married couple and Brandon hiked with a friend of his. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you meet people along the way. And so I believe that in order to kind of help jumpstart your journey that uh, uh, Brandon hiked the first two weeks with you. Is that is that right? Only a week. He did the first 80 miles with me, um, him and Hulk, who he hiked with when he did the trail back in 2015. They started the trail and uh, it was it was a really nice segue into making sure I was comfortable. I didn't have to replace any gear in the first week. So that was <laughs> triumphant uh, <laughs> for me. But yeah, it was nice to have somebody there before like you know, I was constantly seeing the same people, um, and getting to build my own relationships. So that was nice. Although he did push me pretty hard in the beginning and my knees did hurt. So I'm a little skeptical if it actually helped. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think he was also, uh, able to help facilitate some new, uh, friendships. Um, I think it, it, it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm envisioning kind of like that, that first day at a new school or like freshman orientation or, you know, starting a new job where, you know, okay, I'm going to be doing this thing for the next six months. And, mm-hmm. you know, what was your approach or like, how, how was it like, was it just, you know, I, I can imagine that everybody's super friendly um, yeah. and you're not going to meet you know, I I feel like there's just a certain type of person that's like, I'm going to do this. (laughs) Absolutely. There is. You're you're finding, you're finding your people. And so, um, you know, your, your trail family or your, what, what, what did y'all call it? The family, a tramly, a tramly. So how did your tramly evolve? And I know that you would have like a little tighter knit with a larger knit that we would get to meet. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, like you kind of said, it's like freshman orientation and like your freshman dorm, basically, because you are like going and sleeping in the same exact spot with people every single day. And you finally like start to see the people you're keeping the same pace with. So those are the people you're seeing every day, having lunch with, eating dinner, waking up, having breakfast. And uh, we really started to form our tram trail family through the Smoky Mountains because um, you had to stay in the shelters in the national parks. Uh, so that was always just like 20 people in one space crowded under sh- a shelter. Yeah. Can you share with our listeners um, what is meant by like a shelter on the trail? Sure. So they're basically um, lean-tos. They're not very big. They're meant to sleep six to 12 people, depending on how big they are. Um, and they're spread out maybe depending on where you are along the trail like five to 10 miles apart. So depending on your pace and how far you want to hike, it's, it's a nice, like good mileage for the day for you to go from one shelter to the next. Um, and it's nice. There's usually privies there. So you get the luxury <laughs> of an outdoor toilet, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So our trail family started to kind of form Right along the Smokies, and then right afterwards, uh, the same thing I was talking about, Max Patch, we camped with a, a group of people that I actually ended the trail with. So that was the formation. And then there ended up being about 20 of us in my extended trail family, and then five of us who hiked together um, for basically the entire time. 
And I, I just, I love this concept of, of trail names. And so mm. uh, your trail name is after my own heart, uh, Mayo. Uh, we both have a very deep love affair for, for mayonnaise. So how, how did you get your trail name? Uh, so something I actually started before I hiked the trail is I used to keep condiment packets in my fanny pack, even like in normal life. Uh, and I decided like mayonnaise was going to be the most practical thing to carry with me. And I love it so much. So every meal, even in things that it didn't really make sense to go into, like ramen, for example, uh, and people just decided like this girl is obsessed with her mayonnaise. <laughs> so she's mayo. So Trail names definitely come from some sort of silly story that happens on trail. So mine was Manny's. I, I love that. And I mean, and it, and it makes sense because I'd, I'd love to hear kind of, you know, what, what do you eat on the trail? Like as you know, you've got six months. And so we'd kind of get the stories of, um, you know, the, the trail magic or like we went into town. So it's like, I had a burger and I'm sure it was just this, <laughs> you know, side of the road but it's the greatest thing you've had because like yes. you didn't it didn't come freeze-dried or you didn't have to make it yourself and it was just this glorious little luxury um but it it seems like mayonnaise is, is a very smart way to to pack on the calories because I know that that was something you had you had shared a lot of that with us on the slack and looking to you know folks who had hiked before for advice on how to get more calories because you know you had you had mentioned that you would just find yourself sometimes just not being hungry and you know i kind of what what did you eat and what did you struggle with and kind of how did you overcome a lot of this um so yeah the biggest struggle with food is you're burning 4 to 6000 calories a day and if you try to imagine how much food that is in your everyday life if in your normal diet it's a lot of food and then you have to carry it with you on the trail. So yeah, we were trying to find the best ways, like most calories per ounces, basically. And I always, my mantra was calories and condiments. Um, <laughs> but yeah, ramen was a big one for dinner. Those Northside rice packets. Um, and then Pop-Tarts and donuts were a lot for breakfast. Uh, sugar was a big thing. Like your body definitely, you realize how much you crave salt and sugar when you're basically depriving your body of what it needs. Um, and I think I really struggled with that too. It was almost frustrating. Like I've always had a pretty good relationship with food and like it got to a point where I felt like I was like binging when I got to town and then like depriving myself and that like not mentally like threw me for a loop, but it was definitely, yeah, I guess it was a mental struggle because it was like, I'm trying to take care of my body, finish this journey and this isn't something that like I want to struggle with. This should be the easy part because I'm supposed to be hungry. But like you said, like I had lost my appetite. Um, and I wasn't sure if that was just being dehydrated. There was a lot of um, back and forth on the Slack, a lot of suggestions from friends about like what that could have been from. But I finally got to a point where like I was feeling hungry and could eat whatever, but there was a little bit stint during the summertime that I, I was really, really struggling um, and keeping the weight on. That's I'm, I'm a small person, like losing that much weight was, was not easy for me. And, you know, that just becomes another exhaustive thing that I had to deal with, um, you know, past trying to make miles and finish in a certain amount of time. And 
Um, so I don't know. Definitely appreciated those burgers when we when we got. <laughs> off, you know. And I I feel like y'all had a a couple periods during the summer where you definitely got to enjoy um, some delicious food. So we were able to see you and finally meet um, several members of your family uh, mm -hmm. when we took the trip in June uh, to the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I I was impressed because our our friend Sarah, um, who was one of your roommates. Um, you know, she spent a lot of time and effort looking at different opportunities in that entire region of like, okay, we're all going to be fully vaccinated. Liv is hiking the trail. Like, let's see what we can work out. And I couldn't believe how perfectly your time on the trail lined up exactly with where we were staying. It was and incredible. It's, I mean, I love, I, I also love the fact that I like physically drove over like that parking lot that you're talking about where trail magic happens, like having driven past that parking lot and driving past the trail. I'm like, okay, I'm now a section hiker because <laughs> I have passed the trail. And I did make the same joke about Katahdin when we went to Maine in September, 2020 and Bob and I drove and could see the mountain in mm -hmm. the distance. And even when we were in Maine, this past September and I could see the presidentials and I'm like, Oh, that's what they mean by the presidentials. I had no idea. And like those bumper stickers that said I climbed Mount Washington. I'm like, I don't, but honestly, uh, between you and me and our listeners, I always thought those bumper stickers referred to the, um, the incline in Pittsburgh. I did have some Pittsburgh friends make jokes about that. I, I, I don't think it, okay. Yeah. Full disclosure. It wasn't until we had this little hike in Maine this past September, saw the presidential, saw Katahdin from like very far away that it all clicked. So it was a Mount big TIL. Was the only Mount Washington in my mind until this year too. So don't worry. <laughs> I had no idea. So I know that a lot of, I wasn't able to meet your entire 20 person extended family while we were in Virginia, but y'all would all descend upon our great city of Philadelphia for 4th of July weekend, which it was, it was amazing because we had, you know, 4th of July of 2015 was the first time we all met Brandon Thrash. And so to have, you know, just this explosion of through hikers stay, I, Y'all had what, 15 people staying in your basement or something? It was insane. It was, I just, I thought it was one of the coolest things ever. And everybody was so lovely. And um, I was glad that everybody was able to take advantage of this and, you know, spend a couple of days, get some showers and eat some <laughs> delicious foods. And um, I also felt terrible that y'all did not get to see the fireworks. We saw some. Did you see some? Okay. Um, yeah, how that came to fruition was kind of funny because I had planned, I think almost a month before the 4th, like I invited everybody up to Philly for the 4th of July and I was like, oh, only a few people are going to come. You know, it depends on where everybody's at on the trail. It's, you know, putting no pressure on anybody. And I was like, I'll get an Airbnb too, just in case like, you know, Sarah and Dan are doing something else in 1900 and, uh. We get up to Harper's Ferry uh, the last day in June, and uh, my boyfriend, Zach, was sick and in a hotel room, and I'm texting Sarah about it, and uh, she's like, well, we'll drive down and go get, come get you guys today, and I was like, well, there's 
15 of us down here. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work. So she texted Brandon and then we also texted Rick. So the three of them ended up driving down to Harper's Ferry two days before we were even planning on going up to Philadelphia. So they took that five hour round trip just to pick up 12, well, 12 of us. And then somebody took my car back down to get the rest of them the next day. But we all descended a little bit earlier, but it was very funny. Like it's again, like this, this community of previous three hikers and also like our community in Philly is, I don't, it's just heartwarming to know that I have the system of people who will, will literally drive five hours to come help me out. And it was wonderful. It was a great time. Um, I'm glad that they got to see the wonderful city of Philadelphia. Um, and meet all of you guys. And we got a little break from the trail a, lot, a little bit longer than we had intended. But yeah, it was awesome. And you you mentioned your boyfriend, Zach, who you met on the trail, um, who is originally from Cincinnati. And so when I got to meet him in Virginia, I said, okay, as soon as um, you get to Philadelphia, I'm going to make you guys up a batch of Cincinnati chili. And it's, it was a pretty easy recipe. I'm not going to lie. You're just kind of dumping <laughs> stuff in a pot and calling it a day. But I, it was such like an easy, also inexpensive meal that, um, you know, I was, I was happy to be able to do something nice for you guys. I'm a little skeptical about the chili on spaghetti, but I have yet to actually go to Skyline. So I'll, I'll make my final decision after that. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is an interesting decision, but, um, I mean, for me personally, growing up in Texas, I grew up with Frito pie. So to me, you know, chili on top of Fritos covered in cheese and they serve that in our elementary school cafeteria. It's, uh, I think that was a fun thing too, like meeting all of these people on trail from all over the, the country and then learning like the little tiny, like dialects and food preferences and you know, home cooking. We had um, somebody in our family, his parents got an Airbnb for us up in New York. And, you know, it was fun meeting like his family and like what they have for traditions because they were making a holiday out of it since we had missed a couple holidays on the trail like Easter and stuff. So I don't know, it was really exciting to, we all have very similar mindsets on the trail, but we're all wildly different people from different backgrounds. So kind of like the service industry, it felt like a little- Oh, for sure misfit toy group of people (laughs) like love each other and you know accept you for all of your faults and I don't know definitely made the trail easier and the fact that I had these people who were going through the same thing that I was going through and I could confide in and you know find you know comfort in knowing that no I wasn't alone even when I was alone (laughs) and that's that was one of the things that I wanted to to ask you about because you you had mentioned that, you know, you're spending time with, you know, hiking with your family, but at the same time, there's a lot of opportunities to just be alone with your thoughts and, you know, how that, that must've gotten really difficult. So, you know, not just how did you, how did you deal with that, but also what just kept you going in general? Sure. Uh, so a lot of people listen to music, podcasts, audiobooks on the trail. Um, I unfortunately broke my headphones in Virginia, uh, the longest section of the trail. It's over 500 miles. So I was alone with my thoughts for 10 hours every day. Because <laughs> uh, a lot of times, like, we don't actually physically hike together. Like, we'll 
plan a meeting spot for lunch and then where we're going to camp that night. So um, a lot of the time it is just walking by yourself. And I don't know, it was, it was a good experience to take the time to really sit with like the past year that had just happened with the pandemic. Um, also sitting with like why I threw myself so hard into the service industry and leaving very little free time for myself and, you know, kind of accepting that I am such a goal oriented and type A person when it comes to um, like work and my career. Um, I'm kind of like being able like forcing myself basically to take a step back from that and like evaluate what, um, you know, what my time means to me and uh, like how I want to value that time and whether it is like 100% putting myself towards my career, even if it is like shitty sometimes, <laughs> if that's something that I do want to do, or if it's, you know, I'm, I have always needed to work on my my life and work balance. So uh, I don't know, it was really a good experience to, you know, sit with those thoughts and like have those uncomfortable feelings about yourself. Cause we don't, a lot of people don't allow themselves to take the time to do that. Uh, Cause it's, it's uncomfortable. It sucks, but I, ha- I had to do it. There was nothing <laughs> I could only think about so much. Um, so I feel like, having to get to learn about myself with myself and only that was a really, really good experience for me. Um, yeah, it was, it was nice to take inventory of my life and, you know, decide, well, trying to decide where I go from here. Um, but you know, that kept me going every day, just being able to like, it was exciting to be able to like have that time. Um, and then getting back to my cat. I know we had talked about that. I had left him in Philadelphia. Her cat Poe is just hysterical. Poe will stand on his hind legs and it's just, it's a super tall cat. And I, the, the pictures of Poe are always super fantastic. He does have his own Instagram. So I should share that with you. So absolutely follow. Um, and then I just think, you know, I, I wasn't done the further I, I got on the trail. Like it's, it felt like, I still needed to learn more about me and like how I deal with hardship and um, the physical hardship definitely brings out the emotional hardship as well. Uh, we talked about the presidentials. I'll say hardest part of the trail for me physically. Um, and when you're feeling that physical pain and you're trying to, you know, mentally push yourself, um, I think that takes a lot of perseverance and patience with with your own, like your own strength and your own like humanity, I guess. Um, so I thought that, you know, I'm getting this far. I've, I need to finish this and it'll feel like I, I accomplished something that I set out to, to go do. And, um, yeah, it was a little bit of a relief getting up to Katahdin and touching that sign. I think we had all hit our breaking points sometime in Maine. Uh, it was beautiful, but you know, at some point it's tired of sleeping in the woods and, um, I'm sure it's starting to get cold too, because oh, you know, that was, that was one of the things that we were hearing, you know, from you that it's, it's hard to read just as a friend of like, you know, having to push yourself so you can get to the end before it's, you know, four degrees in Maine. And, you know, 
okay, I have to hike like X amount of miles each day. And it sounds like, so I would now learn that the presidentials, it's like the different mountain range that I guess it goes through New Hampshire and on, is it, are they only in New Hampshire or does it go through Maine? Okay. Part of the White Mountain uh, National Forest. So that takes up a pretty big section in New Hampshire, but they, it gets up to like 6,000 feet, a little bit above that. So the elevation is pretty high. Um, we saw snow. It was incredible <laughs> and cold. <laughs> but yeah, it, um, you know, you have to just keep telling yourself, like, if I don't get up and hike these miles and get to where I need to be, I'm, I can get off trail. It's easy to s- just get off the trail at the next road crossing and go home. But, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was going to feel done until I touched that sign on top of Katahdin. So totally understand. So, a personality. <laughs> I, I hear you. Um, so like one of the most intense stories that we would hear from you was towards the end. Um, can, can you share with our listeners this whole experience of like, you are too small, you cannot cross this river. Um, you know, this whole experience, like, where were you? What happened? How did the group get across? Like it was straight up Oregon trail fording the river. I need to sell my oxen to be able to not get dysentery. Like what, what, where were you? What happened? Um, So for people who aren't familiar, there is a section in Maine called the hundred mile wilderness. Um, The only road crossings through that hundred miles are logging roads. So it's basically, you can't, you can't go to town. You can't get off the trail. There's absolutely no cell service there. Um, it's basically the most primitive um, part of the trail. Um, there is a nice big sign at the beginning saying, you're entering the 100-mile wilderness. Be prepared <laughs> for 10 days. Have your provisions. It's it's a little scary. but um, <laughs> So we had left Monson, Maine um, a little bit later in the day than we had initially thought we would. And half of our group had stayed behind because they needed a couple more things from the store. Uh, and they didn't get on trail until later. Unfortunately, it was like three days of rain from when we had left town to basically halfway through the 100-mile wilderness. Um, they don't build bridges over any water sources there uh, in the 100-mile wilderness. Instead, they are building new privies, which... I appreciate, but they're also all um, handicap accessible because they're from government grants, which I find to be a little hilarious. <laughs> yes, that that tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, we could use this wood for a footbridge, but um, yeah. So we had crossed uh, me and uh, Skipper or Zach, my boyfriend. We were hiking by ourselves for the first two days, and we had crossed um, a few a few rivers the first day and the last one we did at night and it was pretty treacherous. It was basically up to my waist and I we kind of had to like Spider-Man across some boulders that were underwater, but it was definitely uh, not a smart idea. We really should not have done it. Um, but it had rained pretty hard overnight and our friends were on the other side because um, they had left a little bit later. They unfortunately... Uh, were lucky to be alive in a non-ironic way. Um, they both got swept into the water, unfortunately, because um, it is pretty insane rapids where there are there are parts in the river crossings that will catch you and take you down 
uh, stream a little bit, but they were both lucky to not, not get hurt, um, get out unscathed, maybe a couple of bumps and bruises, but uh, that was pretty intense to hear. After the fact, I they have some videos, which is absolutely insane. Uh, that same day, while they were going on in, through that water crossing, we had to go through normally a pretty, it's pretty wide, but like shallow. It's normally only up to like your shins, um, my knees for me, since I'm pretty short. <laughs> um, they did have a ridge runner sitting at that water crossing, which is somebody who just maintains the trail. Uh, they get a section that they normally just go up and down to the different shelters. Um, and she said, okay, like 10 people have crossed today. If I could go back and give them advice, I would tell them not to do it. Uh, she looks at me and she's like, you guys can try, but I really, really suggest that you do not do it. It's three feet high, which I'm only five foot. That's over half of my body. Um, Zach started to go across just to see how deep it did get. Um, and it was up to his waist, which would have been basically up to my chest. And that meant we were not crossing the river because once it gets hot that high, you have zero like um, center of gravity in order to maintain any sort of footing. You'll get swept out. And I didn't think that was worth it. <laughs> uh, so we camped on the uh, closer side of the river and we did. It went down. It receded very quickly. So we were lucky to get up the next morning and be able to link up with our friends who had been behind us and then also cross that river. But it was um, definitely the wilderness, I will say. It was one of the scariest parts of the trail. One of the most trying. I did cry a lot those first <laughs> three days in the 100-mile wilderness because you're so close and you're going through like the hardest part and the, some of the most ridiculous terrain. Um, so that was definitely uh, mentally challenging, I would say, because you're it's the last little push to the end and you know, you don't want to give up, but you also don't want to be soaking wet for three days and walking in wet shoes. So that was... Did you, did you reflect back on that advice you had gotten from the through hiker that you met at REI about oh, yeah. walking in the rain? Did that, that was, pop into your head a lot? I was like, I should have walked in the rain for three days straight to feel like I'm feeling right now. But I don't know. There are always like bright moments in the day when you are like, you have to find some humor and like the shit storm that you're going through. Um, there are bogs throughout um, like New Hampshire and Maine. And I know it got to the one point we're getting poured on. It's cold. Um, we're walking across these planks that you like prevent you from going into the bogs. And I didn't realize the trail had been rerouted at a certain point. And I stepped on the plank and went waist in, down into the bog. <laughs> And I just like, all I could do was laugh because at that point it was like, there's nothing else I can do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got to find the humor in, in the tough times because otherwise we, we wouldn't have made it. I'm sure. Oh, but, man. So we're going to switch, switch gears a little bit. Um, we had, we had talked offline a lot about mental health and, you know, you had shared with me that you had several healthy but also unhealthy ways that you've coped over the years with with your anxiety and depression. And so, you know, obviously, you know, you can only prepare yourself yourself at so much <laughs> for the trail. But I'm sure you also had to kind of adapt on the fly and process on the fly and kind of figure out 
how you're going to keep your sanity over six months. So what, what, what are some, some ways that you, you cope? Sure. Um, so I think previous to the trail, some unhealthy things that I definitely did was, um, alcohol is obviously an easy way to avoid any sort of issue you're having and can also exacerbate it. But, um, I think kind of drowning myself in my work, which also dealt with beverage, um, you know, made me feel, um, accomplished, but yet I was definitely avoiding facing, you know, those things that I did need to take the time to sit with, um, that I got the opportunity to do on trail. Um, so I think that was the exciting thing about the trail is because there's very limited alcohol while you're out there hiking and like, there's no way to just have a, a deflect deflective mechanism. It was definitely like, you got to face things straight on. And, um, yeah, that was definitely interesting. And not that I felt guilty for the way that I've dealt with my mental health in the past, but you know, it's, it's eye opening to realize that you're always looking for better, um, opportunities to help yourself. And I think that's, that's a great thing that I learned. And I'm, I'm hoping that it becomes more commonplace to have those conversations and realize that we can do better for ourselves and our peers. And, um, I think it was, it was great to have again, a network. I think the healthy way was having a network and a community to feel comfortable having those conversations because it's, it's not always easy. And, um, when people are going through the same thing that you are, you, f- you find a little bit more comfort in that. Um, especially when it's hard topics like anxiety and, you know, addiction and depression and, um, yeah, I, people, people are my, my happy place. <laughs> I would think that you, you probably experienced a lot of group therapy on the trail that yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, sharing and talking and, because, you know, while the rest of us are sitting at home, binging everything uh, on Netflix and, you know, Ted Lasso and what have you, which speaking of, I heard you, you text, didn't you say you just finished Ted Lasso? I finished it last night talking, you know, speaking about uh, making mental health commonplace and having those conversations that last episode, I was like, I was like, how many tissues did you go through? Because yeah. so, many. <laughs> so many, what an excellent TV show. That was great. Such a wonderful series. Yeah. Again, we didn't have anything like that to like distract ourselves. Like it really is just like going out in the woods, even like hiking in general, I think is like a great therapeutic um, thing to have. I think it's walking outside and like just taking the time for yourself to enjoy like being in a different atmosphere than your work or your home. Um, And it's, you know, no distractions besides nature is is great for the mind. I think especially after being stuck inside for a year. And I mean your pictures were amazing. I I'm sure you just saw the most incredible views of your entire life and there was uh the concept of a blaze what I was I had not heard that before but you kept sharing the blaze of the day. What what is a blaze? So because the Appalachian Trail is one through trail all the way from Georgia to Maine um, you follow the white blazes. So every single tree or rock along the AT, it's like probably every 10 feet, there's a blaze. Um, so I would take pictures of my surroundings where there was one little white blaze. Um, 
there are also additional blazes or I guess through hiking slang we have. Uh, so a blue blaze is something that would go off the trail to a view or like an overlook. And then we have something called yellow blazing where instead of hiking, you went to the road, got in a car, drove <laughs> drove down the road to the next road crossing and then got back on the trail there, which no shame to anybody who did that. I think hike. we have a saying called hike your own hike. It's what you need to get out of it and nothing more. Uh, there's a lot of, like anything else, there's a lot of judgment and pretension in the mm-hmm. hiking community. Like the purist uh, versus... Right. So I did. I ended up skipping 100 miles. I got sick in the middle of the trail uh, and I had to get off because I was losing too much weight, had some digestive issues. Uh, talk about a mental battle. I felt so crappy sitting at home, watching my friends hike through Pennsylvania, my home state. I'm like, I'm missing out. Uh, FOMO is still a thing, even when <laughs> you're just jealous of people hiking. Um, so that was that was an interesting battle for myself. But um, yeah, we had yellow blazing. Uh, people also called green blazing when you smoke marijuana. <laughs> uh, pink blazing is when you basically have the same, you're like trying to have the same mileage as somebody else you're interested in on the trail. So Zach and I will joke that we we pinked blaze each other. Uh, for the audience, I did meet my boyfriend on the trail. He was one of the very first people I, I met while hiking. It was like day eight for me. So after Brandon left and released me into the woods, I was like, oh. Hey! <laughs> well, and so you are actually currently at his house in Cincinnati right now? In Columbus at his In parent. Columbus. In Columbus. And so... Uh, the two of you just uh, recently went on a road trip to try and figure out your what's next. Um, so where where all did you head out on the road trip and, you know, what, what cities are your top contenders? Sure. Uh, so, you know, we hiked through 14 states. We were like, let's drive through a couple more. Just a little <laughs> bit uh, so we went out west to uh, Denver, uh, which we really enjoyed. Obviously, Denver is a very livable city if you have enough money to pay for rent is the only downside um and then we went to salt lake city um vegas phoenix austin san antonio and i think that's all of them uh obviously since we're outdoor nerds we stopped in all of the national parks in in utah got a little hiking in while we were out there but um big fan of denver and phoenix uh both surprisingly livable. We got to drive around. I have a couple of friends that live in Denver that showed us around and uh, yeah, we'll see where we land. Um, I think we just wanted to get a gist of places that we hadn't been to before or, you know, only spent a small amount of time in. So yeah, it was fun to go see what else the the country has to offer. Although I am such an East coast girl. I, (laughs) I'm like, can we just go back to Maine? <laughs> I, I mean, I'd come visit you. I, yeah. I love Maine so but much. As I am as a person, it's like again, I like to push myself out of side of my comfort zone, and I keep saying, if if we move and we hate it, like East Coast and Ohio aren't going anywhere. We can always yeah. come back. Um, it's just something new to try, and I'm lucky enough to do it with somebody who is super like minded, and I enjoy spending time with, and. 
yeah, we'll see where we land. We're I'm letting Zach do all of the uh, job searching. He he does have that engineering degree, so I think he's going to have a little bit easier time uh, finding something, and uh, then I'll decide what I get to do. Yeah, are you are you thinking about returning to bartending? Is it is it still on the table, off the table? Not really sure. Just going to figure it out whenever you you land somewhere. Um, definitely still a little unsure. It was. Um, I think I'm, I made this joke the other day with some other, uh, bartenders from Pittsburgh who were visiting Philly, uh, that I've aged myself so much in the service industry that I've hit retirement. (laughs) 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 Um, just because I did like dive in and like do so much. I went to so many conferences. I was president of our bartenders guild, um, all before 25, I'd only been in the service industry for a small amount of time, but it was my life. and. I don't know. I think after the trail, I I realized that I do I do need some separation between the things that I enjoy doing outside of work, um, and then also I would like to go to work and like not dread it. Like I I want to be able to go to work and enjoy doing that every single day for the rest of my life, which I know is is the dream. But um, I don't know. I'm not sure what that looks like. I I will always hold hospitality in my heart. It definitely made me grow as a person and adult. And, um, I don't know. I love, I love people. I love being a part of people's experiences, especially in restaurants and bars. And, you know, those places are my happy place. And if I get to provide that for other people, you know, that's, that's incredible to me. Um, but at the same time, like I do have this biology degree and I'm trying to find that middle ground between hospitality and science and like what that even looks like. Cause I, don't want to be stuck in the lab for my job because I think that would just not fulfill me as a person. Um, so maybe something in a national forest, national park. Um, wine is always there. I obviously love wine. So I'm hoping to get some opportunities in the future, like working at a vineyard or helping with harvest or something to see if that's in my wheelhouse of something I would enjoy. But I won't know until I try it and keep telling myself that it, it's this whole being an adult and finding my career is a learning process and you keep doing it until you die. I think, I don't think it's good. (laughs) Well, you've already shown us that, you know, hospitality shows up in so many different ways. And, you know, I think you're, you're very similar to me where it's like, okay, I'm just going to figure this out and I'm just going to go on this journey. And, you know, I've, I'm going to make some goals. I'm going to go after it, but you know, you're just going to, you're going to keep trying. You're going to keep asking. You're going to, you know, and whatever your what's next is doesn't have to be what you're doing five years from now. You know, it takes you to your what's next, which takes you to your what's next and so on and so forth. So I think I was very scared of that, uh, you know, in my early twenties, like of failure in general. Like if I didn't get it right the first time, like I failed. And I think, as I grow, have grown as a person, like I've realized like, it's not failure. Like it's not failing myself. It's not failing the people I work for. It is, it's growth. And it's absolutely you can do for yourself is I think me recognizing that, that I am not failing. I'm growing is like a huge, a huge step in my life as a human being. So that's an amazing lesson for everybody to take away. Well, Liv, I know that you have spent a lot of time in the outdoors this past year, but you've lived one hell of an amazing life for being 
in your mid twenties, what's your favorite venue? Can be anywhere. Um, if you, what's up? I said, I can't say my tent. Can I, if that is your all time favorite venue, you most certainly can. I, I'm not here to judge. (laughs) No, I will have to say, um, there is a, a bar in Pittsburgh called the Allegheny wine mixer. Yes. Is that from the Catalina wine mixer? Is that, okay. (laughs) That is a little statement on their website. But Um, Allegheny being, that's one of the rivers. The river and the county that Pittsburgh's in. Okay. Um, Yeah. A great little wine bar. It's very quirky inside. They have all of these like felt uh, paintings on the wall that are like these big eyed children. It's just very quirky. Um, The wine list is spectacular. Uh, They do a really good job of like making wine fun and approachable and non-pretentious, which I will speak to for hours if I could. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, Allegheny Wine Mixer in Pittsburgh is definitely one of one of my favorite venues. Oh, super cool. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad we were able to make this happen today. Mm-hmm. Um, will you please let our listeners know where they can follow you and you can feel free to give Poe's Instagram a shout out as well. Sure. Uh, so best p- place to follow me is probably on Instagram. It's at Livia Jade. Um, and then if you want to follow my cat Poe, which I think he's more entertaining than me, uh, <laughs> it's at Poe underscore day, like D-E underscore creme. So Poe de creme is his. I love it. He's the best. He is the best. Well, Liv, thank you so much for joining me today. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Please follow Beyond the Venue podcast uh, on Instagram for all of our updates. And check out all of our episodes, seasons one and season two, now streaming on all your favorite podcast platforms. Have a great day.